Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. Also have a regular CBSSports.com column, Agent's Take, uh, as well. Uh, this week, we're going to take a look at a couple of things. One, the implications of the Marshawn Lattimore contract extension. And also, players who are in a pivotal year. Uh, crossroads or have something to prove. We're going to try to stay away from guys in contract years. Those will be addressed in a later podcast. But first, um, Marshawn Lattimore's contract. Um, it was announced Sunday before, well, actually, it was announced after um, the Saints beat the Packers and Marshawn Lattimore had agreed to a five year contract extension and signed it before the game. Became the second highest paid cornerback in the NFL. The extension. Uh, for five years, $97,602,590 averages, uh, $19,520,518. Puts him right behind Jalen Ramsey, who's at $20 million per year. There's also um, $500,000 of incentives each year for being first, second team all pro. Uh, so if he does that each year, he's over $20 million per year. Um, little discrepancy on the guarantees. I got the guarantees at $59,092,588 because I am not including the $9.254 million of money that was converted to signing bonus in June. If you include that, then it's $68,344,588 is the overall guarantee. The reason I don't um, include it is because of conversion. And also, $1.009 million of it was paid on June 18th. The other $8.245 million gets paid over the regular season. As far as I'm concerned, $35,092,588 fully guaranteed at signing. If you don't agree with my assessment, then we're at uh, over $44 million fully guaranteed at signing, which would be the most... Uh, Fully guaranteed at signing for a cornerback. That's if you include the $9.245 million. I'm not including. Um, salary cap increase of $1.5 million for um, the Saints with this deal. $7.5 million signing bonus um, was included um, in the contract. Scott um, Lattimore has a $27 million. $453,388 million, $388, I should say, cap number next year. That cap number is not going to stay there. Um, it's the top cap number in 2022 for a cornerback and number six for non-quarterbacks. Saints kicked the can down the road like no other team. That $110 million cap overage to deal with to get in to be cap compliant by the time the league year started they were able to do that so right now they've overtaken green bay for the most cap commitments in 2022 just a shade over 246 million so they're going to convert at least Lattimore's 15 million dollar roster bonus next march two signing bonus he's got 
$24,102,508 in cash. It would not surprise me if they converted $23 million of that into signing bonus so that uh, just a shade, just a little over his league minimums left, and that would create $18.4 million of cap room. So I fully expect something like that to happen next year. Saints also have a couple other guys for each cap numbers, namely Michael Thomas, $24.7 million cap hit next year, number two wide receiver cap number. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that one. Getting a lot more out of the way means that Marcus Williams, potentially Jameis Winston, are the top franchise tag candidates. Uh, Marcus Williams was franchised this year for $10.621 million. Um, 120% increase over his franchise tag number this year would be $12,734,400. Now, if Jameis Winston's first game this year is a preview of things to come, he'll get the franchise tag. That'll end all discussion. They found their quarterback for the future to replace the newly retired Drew Brees. The only question would be, would they give him the exclusive franchise tag, which most quarterbacks get, so that he would not be able to shop himself like Dak Prescott when he was franchised last season, couldn't solicit offer sheets, or would they give him the non-exclusive where he could shop himself to other teams, and if he signed an offer sheet, these Saints would get two first-round picks in return. Um my projections for the non-exclusive franchise tag, if the cap is at the $208.2 million um, ceiling for 2022, would be 14.278% of the cap. So that would mean it's $29.726 million. Now, if you go the exclusive franchise tag number, that's usually significantly higher because it's a different calculation. It's based on the average of the top five salaries, which typically means cap number for a couple of nominal adjustments. Um, at the end of the restricted free agent signing period, which will be next April. But those numbers freeze once the designation is made. So if there are any, if a guy gets cut, yeah, he's out. But if you restructure a contract after a designation is made, doesn't change the calculation. Guys who get cut, yes. If you sign uh, any new contracts, like an extension, you get signed where there's a new cap number, which would be that high, which typically extensions cap numbers get lowered, so that's probably not going to be in consideration. But this number would be subject to change, but the way it stands right now, with the guys of five highest 22 cap numbers, essentially, the exclusive franchise tag would be $43,661,000. So... Given the Saints' cap situation, they might, in Jameis's past history of being a turnover machine, he'd have to be first-team All-Pro, I would think, for them to go the uh, exclusive route. Those five years in Tampa, I don't think would erase one great year if he has it. And we've only played one game, so who knows. But he looked good in the first game. The best thing he did, I know through five interceptions, the best thing he did to me was... There was one play early in the game where Jameis Winston couldn't find anyone open, threw the ball out of bounds instead of trying to force the ball into somebody like he did in Tampa, which is why he had 30 interceptions his last year in 2019 there. But 
if he's the real deal, lives up, starts living up to the potential of being number one pick, he's going to get the franchise tag. Now, I want to address one other guy, Teron Armstead. There's a report that you can't put a franchise tag on Armstead. I'm not so sure about that. Yes, he did um, restructure his contract, add another voidable year. So he's got, avoid, got voiding years running through 2024, and they void on the last day of the league year, which is after the franchise tag designation period because you can designate a guy between the 22nd an eighth day prior to the new league year starting, so last day of the league year is clearly after that. But the reason I say that it might be possible is because he doesn't have an explicit clause which prohibits a franchise tag. He just says if players on club's 90-man roster on the last day of the 2021 league year, then players contract for 22 through 24 league years shall automatically become null and void without any further action by the parties. Now, Drew Brees' contracts had similar language as last few ones. Like, uh, for instance, um, before he did the extent, uh, did the contract in 2020, uh, in March 2020, I believe that was, he had a clause which said players' contracts for the, uh, 2020 and 2020 league years are automatically void if players on club's roster on the last day of the 2019 league year. If players' contract for 2020 and 2021 league years void, then club will not designate player as the franchise player, future franchise player, or its transition player, future transition player, pursuant to Article 10 of the CBA of the 2020 league year. I'm assuming that language is in there for a reason. And I'm assuming that's so they couldn't have let the contract void, which they never did. They did. They got the deal done and converted the voidable years into real years. So just in case it did void, he would be an unrestricted free agent. Armstead does not have this language. So to me, that means the franchise tag is a possibility. It might be wrong, but that's how I'm reading that the fact that there's a difference in the language in Armstrong's contract and one of Drew Brees' last contracts. But it'll be a moot point if Jameis Winston plays really well this year. Now, where this thing gets interesting from a cornerback standpoint is with Denzel Ward. Supposedly or reportedly, the Browns and Ward have had negotiations. This Lattimore deal, which I think is really good, was done by Tory Dandy. Tory Dandy also represents Denzel Ward. In any contract discussions with the Browns, I probably would have prefaced it, and maybe Dandy did. He's a savvy enough agent. Best deal he's ever done, in my opinion, was getting Kansas City to pay Sammy Watkins $48 million over three years. I know they redid the deal. He took a pay cut uh, for last year. But the fact that he could get any team to bite on Sammy Watkins in free agency, it's $16 million per year to be a second receiver in Kansas City. Hats off to him. One of the best deals has been done, in my opinion, in the last few years. But anyway, um, I would have prefaced the whole discussions or framed the ones with Ward that I'm negotiating something for Lattimore. Anything we do for Ward is going to exceed Lattimore's contract. I know... Uh, Board has two years left because exercise a fifth-year option, so he, a free agent, 
till 2023. But to me, Lattimore is the floor for Ward. There's another guy who was also a 2018 first-round pick who will reap the benefit of Lattimore getting done and Ward potentially, Jerry Alexander in Green Bay. To me, he's going to end up topping Jalen Ramsey's $20 million per year. He'll be the highest-paid corner. But if I'm Ward, I might want to wait to see if Alexander gets done. And if he goes past Ramsey, maybe that gives me ammunition to clearly get above $20 million per year. Maybe not top him, but um, would go above, would, would get above uh, Ramsey potentially. But I can't see this thing being done for Ward for less than um, the Lattimore deal. And if I'm Cleveland because Ward misses games each year, I need big per-game roster bonuses where there's at least a million dollars in each of the new years totaling per-game roster bonuses. Um, so that means each game that he's on the active roster, he'd get that amount. And now we have a 17-game season, so that'd be 58800 $23 and some change per game. So if he missed the four games or so he misses each year, I'm getting some cap relief out of that. Then for four games, I'd be getting basically $235,000 of cap relief and also saved $235,000. I don't have to pay. But to me, those are the main implications of the Lattimore deal. For the most part, we're going to see contract extensions done. Um, I know Josh Wett got one done with the Eagles. The Eagles are one of the teams which do in-season contract extensions. A couple of years ago, they got Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson done. Uh, the Ravens aren't opposed to doing in-season contract extensions. Marlon Humphrey, who was the second highest paid cornerback before this Lattimore deal at $19.5 million per year, uh, was done a week or two into the regular season last year. Uh, Ronnie Stanley uh, was done near the middle of the season last year, right before he got hurt. So they'll do in-season contract negotiations. Green Bay did David Bakhtiari last November. So potentially Devonta Adams, who's in a contract year, might get done. Since the Ravens do in-season contract extensions, that would mean the door could be open for Lamar Jackson. But since he doesn't have an agent, I'm assuming there's some advisor helping them. But he's focused on playing football not a contract, so that's probably a back burner issue. If Baker Mayfield has a really hot start to the season, played well in game one, but for one pass, then maybe the Browns will try to come to him middle of the season and get that thing done. But for the most part, you won't see any more big contract extensions, um, except for a couple of teams which are willing to do them. Um, maybe you see one at, right before the end of the regular season when you could still prorate the signing bonus over 2021 once the regular season ends, you can't. So that might be a day where you see somebody doing extension. That always happens um, towards the end of the year. But contract extension, contract extension season for the most part is over. And Lattimore, in all likelihood, will be the last mega deal. Okay, let's turn our attention to some players who have something to prove in 2021 or at a crossroads. And as I said, uh, focus isn't going to be on guys in contract years. Uh, We'll start with quarterbacks. Uh, Biggest name is Carson Wentz. Um, Carson Wentz just simply imploded uh, last year. Nobody expected the type of regression 
Um, he had ultimately got benched late in the year. It led to or contributed to Doug Peterson getting fired. Wentz wanted out. Eagles accommodated him. Um, traded him to the uh, Indianapolis Colts. And they got a 2021 third-round pick and a conditional 2022 second-round pick, which can become a first-round pick. Um, but he's got to take at least 75% in Apple's offensive snaps or 70% in the Colts to make the playoffs. Um, I, for one, did not think this was going to happen because I thought in a year with the cap going down to $15.7 million from $198.2 million to $182.5 million, there's no way the Eagles would have a $33,820,611 cap charge for him to play elsewhere. That is the largest amount of dead money in the history of the NFL um, by far. Colts are counting on his reunion with Frank Reich, who was his offensive coordinator in 2016 and 2017 with the Eagles to be a to resurrect his career. And don't forget, in 2017, uh, Wentz was probably on his way to the MVP, league MVP, before he uh, torped his knee towards the end of the regular season. Um, another guy has something to prove, Matthew Stafford. Honey, still the honeymoon stage for um, Stafford and Sean McVay. McVay had soured on Jared Goff, kind of blamed him for the shortcomings of the uh, Rams last year because had the league's best defense. Uh, Lions got a 22 second round pick, 23, I mean a 22 first round pick, 23 first round pick, Goff, and a 21 third round pick. Everyone loves Stafford's arm talent, his toughness. Some consider him a victim of poor circumstance. Lions made the playoffs three times during his 12 years there. No victories. Um, and there's a contingent which contributes that to Lions' mismanagement. He's kind of viewed as the missing piece for the uh, Rams. They're one of these teams which is a trendy Super Bowl uh, pick. So, season's a huge disappointment if they don't at least duplicate last year's success. They were eliminated in divisional playoffs by the Packers after being the Seahawks in the wild card round. They do play in the toughest division in the NFL, the NFC West. All four of those teams are legitimate playoff contenders. So we'll see how the narrative is on Stafford. Some people have him as an MVP candidate, particularly if the Rams are a winner in the uh, NFC West. Off to a good start week one versus the Bears. Um, Baker Mayfield has something to prove to the Browns. Josh Allen's gotten paid. Lamar Jackson hasn't uh, yet. Another two; those are his couple of his contemporaries, his first-round picks in the 2018 draft class. Jackson may not be getting paid because of complications of him not having an agent. He wants to focus on the season, not um, a contract right now. But for May, for but for Mayfield, I understand why the Browns have some reluctance. Looked good as a rookie, sophomore slump, played best football of his career, second half of. Last year, um, Browns got a playoff berth, first time since 2002. Also gave the Chiefs everything they could handle. Some people say he's a benefit of the league's best running game and a great offensive line. Um, If I'm the Browns, if he can duplicate or build upon what he did um, second half of last year, I have no problem paying him $40 million per year uh, because then I know for certain or at least have more certainty that he is our guy. And if not, 
then the reluctance will be justified. Played really well in the season opener against the uh, Chiefs, but for one pass late in the game, which ended their drive to potentially come back and, and win a game, which they were leading um, for most of the contest. Jimmy Garoppolo, everyone knows he is not the quarterback of the future for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they didn't move up to the third overall pick to get Trey Lance for Jimmy Garoppolo to be there after this year. Kyle Shanahan, the head coach, is going to implement Trey Lance into the ball game at various times. This is a team with Super Bowl aspirations. Garoppolo was the quarterback when they got to the Super Bowl in 2019. Lost to the Chiefs. Um, his problem hasn't been his production. It's availability. He's only played 30 games since they got him in the middle of 2017 season. They're 22-8. and eight. Availability is the problem, not ability. If the 49ers season goes south, you'll see Trey Lance take over, but everything's running smoothly. He'll be implemented here and there, have certain packages. But this is an audition, as long as Jimmy Garoppolo's in there, to see if he can find a starting job for next year. Niners are going to pick up uh, $25.6 million of cap space for him next year, whether they cut him or trade him. Obviously, they want to trade him because next year will be the final year of his contract. We'll also go back to a guy who was drafted in 2018, Sam Darnold. He was taken third 2018. Wasn't the long-term answer for the uh, Jets. He's getting a new lease on his football life thanks to a trade to the Panthers in which the Jets got a 2021 six-round pick, a 2022 second-round pick, and 2022 fourth-round pick. Um, for the Jets, threw 45 touchdowns, 39 interceptions. So they, uh, with their second overall pick, took Zach Wilson. Panthers immediately shipped out uh, Teddy Bridgewater um, to the Broncos and picked up uh fifth-year option next year for $18.85 million, which is fully guaranteed. Uh, so that's not going to preclude them from going after another quarterback if Darnold doesn't fare any better than he did um, in New York. He's got a stud running back in Christian McCaffrey. already has a rapport with Robbie Anderson, who played with, him for, with the Jets. So we'll see if he fares better. Last quarterback going to mention – Daniel Jones. Jury is still out on him. He's 2019 sixth overall pick. This guy is more athletic than people give him credit for. Um, has the best complement of weapons that he's had since he's been there. Getting Saquon Barkley back helps. Also, they went out and got Kenny Galladay, drafted um, um, Kadarius Tony in the first round, added Kyle Rudolph to the mix. So the Giants should have a better idea whether they want to pick up a fifth-year option on him next year, which could be in the $21.5 million range. Hasn't thrown any interceptions so far this year, which is a good thing. He's had some ball security issues, but played well enough to win um, Thursday night against the Washington football team. If he can play more like that during the season than he did previously, odds are in his favor for getting the option picked up. Okay, now let's turn to some um, offensive players who aren't quarterbacks. And we already alluded to one, 
in Saquon Barkley. Um, the Giants aren't in any rush to pick to do a new contract with him. Rookie year was great. 2018 Offensive Rookie of the Year. Led the NFL with 2,028 yards from scrimmage. Second season, ankle injury slowed him. Still had 1,000 yards on the ground despite missing three games last year. Tore his right ACL two games into the season. Doesn't seem to still trust the knee yet. We have seen guys who've gone on the season after an ACL injury, and this is the extreme case. Adrian Peterson almost set the single-season rushing record after tearing an ACL. I'm not saying that Barkley is Adrian Peterson. That'd be a huge disservice to Adrian Peterson, who will be in the Hall of Fame. But it's just that you can bounce back have a great year the season immediately after um, the ACL tear. Uh, Fifth-year option, $7.217 million in 2022. He'll have to uh, get it going, get any uh, psychological things about the knee behind him if he's going to get paid. Speaking of knee injuries, um, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, with the Browns is yet to play this year. They're hanging on a side of caution and bringing him back. He won't play this week. Um, towards ACL seven games into the 2020 season. Didn't have very good chemistry with Baker Mayfield. 23 catches for 319 yards and three touchdowns um, prior to the injury. So we'll see if he can regain his status as an elite wide receiver. If the chemistry problems still exist with Baker Mayfield, then he, he might not be around next year in Cleveland in 2022. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott. His career has been trending in the wrong direction statistically since he became the first running back to sign a $100 million contract. Had that lengthy holdout a couple of years ago um, when he got his six-year $90 million extension, which made him the highest-paid running back in the NFL at the time. Had two years left on the rookie contract. Last year, he averaged a career-low 65.3 rushing yards per game. Only thing you've seen is defense of the offensive line was depleted by injury. Prior to that, he'd averaged 96.5 rushing yards per game um, for his career. Season opener, the game plan wasn't to really test Tampa Bay's great rushing defense, so it was basically Dak airing it out. And even last year before Dak Prescott got hurt, basically they were airing it out. We'll see if they have a little more offensive balance on a go-forward basis. If it's going to be the Dak Prescott uh, air it out show, and then you really don't need a high-priced running back. Um, but they did do something which made it harder to release um, Elliott in 22 if he can't turn it around. They lowered his 2021 cap number from $13.7 million to $6.82 million, which in turn makes his 2022 cap number $18.22 million. There's now $17.68 million of dead money if they trade or release Ezekiel Elliott before June 2nd. So, little bit not going to get the same type of room um, that you would get had you done nothing and left the contract alone. That's just one of the consequences of kicking the can down the road. Another guy on Dallas, left tackle, who maybe was about the only healthy offensive lineman of any consequence on Dallas. Um, Zach Martin was out with COVID. Lyle Collins now suspended. Last year, Smith missed 14 games for neck injury. Before that, he hadn't played in every game of the season since 2015. When he 
He signed a contract which most players should never sign. He became the highest paid offensive lineman seven years ago. Eight-year, $97.6 million extension. Runs through the 2023 season. Ten total years contract because he had two years left on his um, rookie contract. Tackle market has grown 90%, 90% since then. Cautionary tale about doing a deal, which is way too long. Julio Jones did not have an impressive uh, debut against the Cardinals. Part of the reason he was traded was the dire cap situation for the Falcons. And also, he wanted out of town. Had lingering hamstring problems last year, so some people think he's a declining player. 51 catches, 771 yards, three touchdowns last year. Ended a six-year streak of 1,000 receiving yards. Nonetheless, when he was healthy, averaged 85.7 receiving yards per game, which was seventh in the NFL, but still his worst mark since 2012. He should be motivated to show that he's still Julio Jones. Um, they gave up a second-round pick. Titans did um, for him, essentially. He's not going to have the monster numbers that he had in Atlanta just because the Tennessee offense – is centered around Derrick Henry, and also you have A.J. Brown, who is a legitimate number one type receiver in his presence. So don't expect Julio Jones to have like 100 receptions, 1,500 receiving yards, which is what he'd been averaging over the past three healthy seasons, 2017 through 19. And I want to mention one guy who is in a contract year, um, Zach Ertz. Um, conventional wisdom was he was going to be traded because they couldn't, they were nowhere close on a contract extension last year. 2020 was a lost year for him. Between Wentz's problems and him having an ankle injury with sideline for five games, for which he never should have come back for because he ended up having off-season surgery and spent most of the off-season rehabbing that. Um, they drafted his replacement in 2018, Dallas Goddard. And interestingly, they have not done a new contract with him. They've seemed to have extended players in his draft class, but not him. He made a comment a couple of weeks ago that he thought he'd have an extension by now. Wentz is at, not Wentz, uh, Ertz had a change of heart. He wants to be an eagle for life. At least that's what he says publicly. Um, had a very good training camp. So you're not going to see Goddard and Ertz both on the Eagles in 2022. <laughs> I don't think I don't think they both get re-signed. They're both in contract years. Goddard's four years younger, so Ertz uh, presumably is auditioning for his uh, next spot uh, next year. Okay, let's turn to a uh, couple of defensive players um, before we wrap this up. Uh, C.J. Mosley barely played since he really fundamentally changed the uh, off-ball linebacker market with his $85 million five-year contract in 2019 free agency. Played two games in 2019 because of a groin injury. Opted out last year. Um, when you opt out, your contract tolls, which means it gets suspended. So his 2020 contract year became his 2021 contract year. Even if the Jets don't get a lot from him this year, he's probably there through 2022. Because with the contract tolling, everything's shifting back a year. He's got a fully guaranteed $16 million base salary for 2022. Um, Derwin James... First-team All-Pro as a rookie in 2018. Uh, going into the season, it played five games since then. Torn meniscus uh, last year in his right knee caused him to miss all the 2020 season. 
Nonetheless, Charger still picked up his fifth-year option, fully guaranteed $9.052 million. If he can stay on the field, the expectation is he'll play like he did as a rookie. Then you got a guy who the Chargers will probably have to make one of the highest-paid safeties in the league, if not the highest-paid. Right now, that is Jamal Adams, $17.5 million per year. Um, Landon Collins has made a speedy recovery from a torn ACL. Uh, happened in the middle of last year. They have too many safeties now um, for the Washington football team. Cameron Curl played great in his absence last year. Seventh-round pick. They're trying to find a way to get all their safeties on the field uh, throughout the game. Collins has played 75-80% in the first two games. But it's gonna be, he's going to be very tempting to go with Curl next year, who makes $895,000. For a non-guaranteed versus a non-guaranteed 12 million for Collins, so he needs to return to his Pro Bowl form, probably to still be around in Washington next year. And finally, two Cowboys linebackers, Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith. Cowboys didn't pick up Vander Esch's fifth-year option, which was already a risky proposition before drafting Micah Parsons 12 overall, because um, Vander Esch had durability concerns dating back until dating back to his college days at Boise State. Parsons' presence declining the $9.145 million option was much easier. Talented player, Van Der Esch, but can't stay on the field. Uh, Jalen Smith has been a disappointment since he signed his extension in 2019, where he gave up five unrestricted free agent years of $12.8 million per year. Keanu Neal, who came over from the Falcons, is making a transition from safety to linebacker, is a favorite of Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator, who was his head coach in Atlanta. Interesting in the first game how the playtime broke down. Um, Parsons and Neal were on the field for about 75% of the time, whereas Van Der Esch and Smith, their playtime was in the 20s. Um, I don't think Smith is around next year. They're, they're going to Unless something changes, they're going to release him before his $9.2 million base salary next year becomes fully guaranteed on the fifth day of the uh, 2022 league year. It's guaranteed for injury right now. His departure would uh, leave a $6.8 million cap charge, and the Cowboys pick up $5 million of cap space. So those are some guys who aren't in contract years, did except for Ertz. They have something to prove this year or at a cross career crossroads. So keep an eye on these guys. Um, that's going to be it for this week's Inside the Cap. Don't forget you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-L. Also read my CBSSports.com column, Agent's Take. Um, thanks for listening. Goodbye, and we'll see you back here next week.